0: I'd be saying to, to Thorin, what were you thinking? Look at him. He's massive. <laughs> Why is he here?
1: Oh, Gandalf, Gandalf, help us. Gandalf, risk your life for us. Gandalf, Gandalf, will you help us to get our stuff? But No, I haven't been back home for months.
0: I want to talk yeah. about town planning. Go You're right building ahead. in an area... Which is the which is the general belief is there is a fire breathing dragon around? Okay. Which material yep. would you choose to build your town out of? Hello and welcome to episode two of Shark Liver Royals coverage of the Hobbits by J.R.R. Tolkien. Also, give it its full name: The Hobbit. As we've christened it, The Hobbit. Get rich or die trying.
1: Go, 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 go,
0: go it's your you know what i mean dave
1: i do matt i do yeah, i've never I, I i will now not be able to ever think of uh gang life you know it's a hard knock life for us down on the streets without also thinking of martin freeman in a nicely embroidered little waistcoat
0: exactly if you're wondering why we've called it that we just think the the whole premise of the book is just some dwarves trying to get the gold back, and uh, and that sounds quite it sounds quite gangster as well. It is, it's it the is the kind of thing that,
1: and they yeah. they are, you know, I, they are quite fundamentally pimp as well. Notice how many times Tolkien <laughs> talks about like the nice color of their clothes and the like little tassels yeah. and stuff, like he's he's kind of middle yeah. earth pimp is what's going on, yeah. there.
0: Yeah, they've got to sort of make the way all the way over to this cave, sneak in. A lot of it's to do with stealth, and they're still wearing these brightly coloured clothes because <laughs> you know that's just how it is. It's just the fashion. And you'll also notice <laughs>
1: that the uh, there are many scenes in which the ponies that they've got are actually tricked out, so they bounce from the front two hooves. They're just, they just, <laughs> oh Dave, just rolling. oh the
0: ponies again. We'll go to it later. But <laughs> I had I had trouble in the last one with how they were slaughtered by goblins and eaten alive and uh, it, the lot doesn't get better for the next group who you know, have the misfortune to fall in with this ragtag group of animal rights destroyers.
1: I'll tell you what, Tolkien, he had something against horses, didn't he? There was yeah, something in that matter. man's psyche that really hated a horse.
0: <laughs> okay, um, so if, you, if you're new to this and you don't really know what we're doing, we uh, take a, a book and just, just go all the way through it uh, go on a journey through the whole book, picking out what we like, what we don't like. We'll laugh at characters who do stupid things, and we'll praise the ones who actually do things that are good. And uh, this is the second in our series looking at the Hobbit. Last time we went from the very start at Bilbo's house all the way to uh, the Eagles after they got saved from the after the, you know the group got saved from the forest. Uh, Gandalf was chucking around his pine cones and all that. If you haven't read the book, you won't know what on earth we're talking about. I'm not really sure why you've downloaded it. Should, should we but, um... say
1: that at the start? Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This is <laughs> this is a big bag full of spoilers. But if you haven't read The Hobbit yeah. yet, it's your own fault.
0: Yeah, well, um, and you could be reading along with us. Maybe you've read up to The Eagles, and now you want to read up to the next bit. And now I'm going to tell you where that next bit is. And it is... Dun, Run, dun,
1: bum, 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 bum.
0: We're going to read up to and including nobody home. Nobody. So uh, that is to the point. Well, you know, we'll tell you as we get further along. But it's about that that will leave us with you know another 50 pages or so to do in the last one and then we can look at some reviews and some feedback as well. I'm really looking okay. forward
1: to that. I am. I sense <laughs> that I sense the division of views on the internet is going to be pleasing in both Yeah. Directions. Yeah. But yeah, but it, watch it, this space.
0: Okay. So Chapter 7: Queer Lodgings this is uh so we're back with we're back with the gang that wake up after the the break with the eagles uh the eagles carry them back to sort of another starting point for them down in the valley Mm -hmm. this time bilbo gets to actually ride on the back of an eagle rather than just clinging to the to the waist of a of a dwarf who's being carried so it's a promotion for him and he's got to be pleased with that (laughs) and and they get to, so uh, the first thing I'd like to talk about, they get to the, the edge of Mirkwood on the way over there to the start of this massive, scary forest. Mm. And Gand- Gandalf turns around and is like, ah, right then, well, I've got things to do. <laughs> so um, if you guys just, you know, carry on on your way, I'll probably meet <laughs> up with you again. And the, and the dwarves like, like, what? Uh, what? Say again? What? So, oh, sorry, well, who, you know, who? stuff to do. We did. I did say that uh, I wasn't going to stick around. What? He's- what? What? When? Is it? And there's, is, there's, they seem to be a little, a little disappointed with Gandalf.
1: Is this possibly a sort of literary occurrence of that thing? A thing that that usually only happens in like bad comedies about relationships in Hollywood, where there's that thing where somebody rolls over in the morning and the person they've just had a one night stand with is already on the way out the door, <laughs> and it's just it's this good. really awkward. Yeah, I have a a thing. So I've got a great night though. Great night. Um. Thanks, <laughs> and I'll I'll call you.
0: Yeah. I mean, this can be read. To, I I think that Tolkien has, uh, the the talking to, to, here is saying Gandalf's leaving, but he doesn't really want to go. But he's got such pressing matters elsewhere. He he has to leave them for a bit, and then he's all worried when he you know he wants to come back later maybe. But um, it could be read as I mean, if you're just reading it cold that. As he was, as Gandalf was sitting up in that tree, surrounded by orcs and wolves, chucking fiery acorns around, <laughs> and thinking, thinking, this is it, this is where I die. He was thinking, I can't believe, I'm, you know, I'm risking my life with this rubbish. It's just some dwarves trying to get some gold back. Yeah. What am I doing? I've, I've got important things to be doing, and I'm <laughs> sat here with these lads who couldn't fight the weight of a paper bag paper yeah, who, who baguette, quite it
1: frankly have already on three separate occasions just thrown in the towel rather than have a fight
0: <laughs> I, yeah. I'll
1: be honest with so, you I'm not certain these people are worth my death
0: yeah so it could it could it could have be just Gandalf thinking it, it being nice but saying you know I've had it with this
1: but I think Gandalf's been really clear like throughout the book he's like lads I'm not staying around forever um, you know yeah. I'm going to get you started and then I'm going to leave and then, um, and there's this really interesting thing where, and we will come on to this later on as well, where I think the dwarves absolutely do act like a bunch of like self-important but basically cowardly teenage boys. And um, and I think I think Gandalf's whole thing with this is, you know, you've got to be cruel to be crying. You know what I mean? Like you, mm. get, you know, cut cut the cut the apron strings and get out of dodge, sort of thing. But I, do, yeah. I, I have to say, I do like the idea of him getting singed fingertips from lobbing pine cones around on fire, <laughs> and um and just being like, I, t- you know what, <laughs> fuck you, you are not giving me. <laughs> You're not giving me any of your gold, even, are you? So, oh, Gandalf, Gandalf, help us. Gandalf, risk your life for us. Gandalf, Gandalf, will you help us to get our stuff? But no! you know? I haven't been back home for months. Mrs. Gandalf hasn't seen me for ages.
0: <laughs> Before we get to Mertwood, um, we stop off at Beyond's house. And uh, this is a it's, a... it's a good little scene, isn't it? What did you make of it all? It's a, it doesn't need to be in there, does it? Because it doesn't achieve any grand purpose, but... Um, I thought it was a an interesting, you know, colourful stop off along the way.
1: Absolutely, and I think it's one of the things that exists. Really, so Tolkien can just have a lot of fun with kind of, and the world also contained people who are like this. And it's mm. one of the I really like Bjorn as like a, as a character because he's like he's this kind of like trustworthy and good, but also kind of kind of chaotic with that, you know, kind of like. You know, he might eat you if you go outside at night, sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and this kind of—he's welcoming, but he's kind of a hermit. But he's clearly very sociable when he puts his mind to it, and you yeah. know, he's not at all retiring, except he is. And um, and I really like it. But the thing I like the most about it is—oh um, no, hang on—I was going to say as well with that that um, uh, I, I think he's one of Tolkien's really interesting creations, where he's clearly just had this idea and gone. Oh, wouldn't that be cool yeah a skin changer there we go somebody who <laughs> can just change what he looks like at will um and uh and he, and it's just one of those ways in which he kind of gives a glimpse to this broader world which as we know was gonna was basically gonna be his magnum opus the other thing i was going to say the thing that i really enjoy is um is the scene of the dwarves arriving and gandalf's oh, yeah, basically i was going to say <laughs> this definitely yeah <laughs> he has them lined up like a gang show it's like how can how, like i don't know if this is a bum note on the part of gandalf i mean it is because the dwarves don't really know what they're doing and they're just doing what they're told <laughs> but i don't know how you can possibly think that getting them to come in two at a time right is going to to this famously reclusive individual is going to make this reclusive individual more kindly disposed towards you it's like <laughs> two at a time means you have seven separate instances <laughs> where oh good more people all right <laughs> do it in two you know do it two yeah. or three yeah no, i think not i think you right I,
0: I i like how he, I, I think it's a i think it's a good idea to say let's not all turn up at once cuz he'll just freak freak out as a hermit but um On the other hand, yeah, (laughs) it does get get into sort of children's book comedy, doesn't it? um, (laughs) When it gets to like the arrival of the fifth or sixth pair of dwarves or set of dwarves. And he's a, you think, Beyond's a short-tempered guy anyway. You think after the, the third time Gandalf pulls this, he'd just say, listen, shut up a minute. How many people are we? you? Because <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> but he doesn't. He just keeps going, yeah, oh, yeah, two more, right, oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, but, oh, but that doesn't sound right. Does that mean you got two more? Oh, yeah, two more. <laughs> and he just goes along with it all the way through.
1: Yeah. I mean, in that sense, I'm just thinking of this, but it's quite clever, isn't it, the way he's written. You give him this big build-up as this, like, really frightening, unpredictable badass, and then you mm. have him have this essentially quite avuncular Brian Blessed sort of approach to loads and loads of people turning up in his house and i, th- yeah. I think i think i also i also found it quite notable the way that he's a vegetarian who doesn't live on vegetables oh no <laughs> no lives on bread and cream and honey which is to say <laughs> should have died of a coronary many many moons ago <laughs>
0: I also love how he's a vegetarian, but he also tortures and kills orcs at will, So he's not particularly squeamish about harming <laughs> yeah. other creatures.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if if, if if we're on good terms, then you're right, but if we're on bad terms, you're already a kebab. Um,
0: anything else to add about about, uh, about uh, Beyond's Place?
1: About Beyond's Place? No, except to, think, uh, except to say that I think it's an important kind of staging post, because the, the stuff under the mountain is... It is exciting, but it's this curiously kind of um tense sort of not sure what's going to happen kind of time which as it turns out is merely a preparation for the hours of drudgery that lie ahead of us <laughs> um and i think it was quite wise of talking to have this kind of pit stop where you're just reminded a little bit about the world and there's an interesting character and you're not like oh holy crap what's going on here which was my response as a child, and then recently rereading it, to the entire Merkwood sequence.
0: So they they come to Merkwood, the edges of it. And this is where Gandalf leaves. Yeah. And um, and he gives uh, another instruction, which this time they later don't follow, which is don't leave the path. And this seems like a good idea because it's massive Merkwood. It's it's the biggest forest ever. Yeah. And um, and if you if you leave the path, chances are you're not going to find it again. it seems even even without enchantments and crazy shit going down it seems like very good advice stay on this (laughs) path if I was going through a a forest that size in real life with no fear of running into elves goblins creepy spiders or anything like that I'd still stick to the path religiously but they uh, you know they get drawn off for for some maybe would say for good reason Mm -hmm. which brings us on to flies and spiders chapter 8
1: flies and spiders
0: Flies and spiders. So, let's. The first thing we can talk about here is this set piece around the enchanted river, which uh, which mm. creates problems for you if you fall in. And they they do quite a good job. The dwarves of fashioning this way across with the rope and you know uh, coming coming to some decent plan on their on the you know on their own. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, Bomba, the really fat one, falls in
1: and, and this falls used- asleep. And this is something that I feel like we should note because this is now the second time in a chapter and a half that Bomber has been... Like, it's as if Tolkien was like, I need to pep this up a bit. I, t- I tell you what, I'll do, I'm doing another thing with Bomber, the fat one. That'll be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And it does feel like that. Like, the like when they're doing their kind of, um, you know, circus clown car entry to Beorn's house, <laughs> it's, it, he's the last one who turns up and doesn't bother leaving the five minutes that he's been told to leave he just kind of turns up 30 seconds after the last two go and I'm not staying, I'm on my own I don't like it
0: yeah. Of all the dwarves, Bomber does come across just as a as a, a overweight moron doesn't he he does, <laughs> he's he does, absolutely useless. Even when he's awake he's not much better than he is when he's asleep
1: And then in this bit again we get to the thing and it's Bomber, of course it's Bomber, who does what in my mind's eye was the sort of classic Kind of circus, three-ring circus, comedic, kind of thing where a fat man stands on something precarious and overbalances <laughs> and waves his <laughs> arms out horizontally in circles next to him <laughs> and falls over anyway. And you can almost, you can almost hear whatever the woodland equivalent of somebody going. <laughs> 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 and
0: I, I love uh, as they carry, they they carry him through the forest then and I just love the reaction of the dwarves just how it's not really worried. oh is he ever going to wake up we're really worried, it's just pissed off that we've (laughs) got to carry his fat body around and it it reminded me of the kind of do you know when you go out for a night out with a few friends Mm. and someone gets so drunk they can't stand and you've got to get them home and you're carrying them back and you're just pissed off yeah and it just it and, and it's just it makes everything more complicated you just want to get home at that point
1: you're you're absolutely right like this is this is prime grade a selfish drunken mate behavior
0: i love the fact that when he actually does wake up he just wakes up and starts moaning that he was having a better dream than reality yeah and just everyone is there's no sympathy there's not even a great deal of joy that he's awake it's just it feels like they've just had it with him now i get the feeling he's been like this for the entire journey but (laughs) everyone's just put up with it it's not really been mentioned and now it's just the end of the they've come to the end of the tether with him and they're just thinking oh just will you just stop it will you just be better because we need (laughs) you to be better Look, look like
1: i say this without wanting to hurt your feelings or anything but you fucking suck and we don't need any more fucking suck on this journey all right up your game
0: (laughs) if i was one of the better dwarves like you know dory or barlin i'd be saying to to thorin what were you thinking look at him he's massive and he's not even like massive as in really strong or even if you know he's not like a wise overweight guy we've got to keep around he brings nothing to the party (laughs) is what i'm trying to say (laughs) why is he here
1: And the thing is that you know, you know Thorin's response to that would absolutely be, do not question me, I am Thorin the Magnificent with the oaken shield from underneath the mountain. If I say the fat man comes with us, then the fat man comes with us. Now be (laughs) quiet, polish my shoes with your tears of gratitude for being here at all.
0: (laughs) Things Things are getting pretty bad for the dwarves because they're continuing to walk along this path. And they're struggling for food. It's just the forest's going on forever. They send Bilbo up a tree to see how far it is, and he comes down and says, "Forever, just keeps going on." So they they're in trouble. They need some food. They're starving. It's really cold. It, basically, it's every everything you hope isn't going to happen to you when you go out for a walk. And um, then yeah. they come across the partying elves.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the 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 partying and as it turns out, astonishingly xenophobic elves. <laughs> Yeah. In the dwarves' defence, they do have quite a respectful response to this. They don't just kind of go, "Right, lads, we're nicking some sausages." They go, <laughs> "Okay, we'll just we'll 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 go and we'll ask, and we'll be nice." And and but these are elves, right? And there's there's simply no negotiating with elves who have malformed prejudices, because the moment they step out into the glade with the lights and the food and the fire and the sound and the dancing instantly everything stops and somebody kicks the fire and everything goes away in an instant and they're like sucked into darkness and now they're off the path
0: you know elves are pretty quick thinking maybe in an instant as they walked out they're like the leader had a look and he saw what he saw people coming out and he thought oh maybe we could feed them and he says, oh there's quite a lot of them and then he saw a bomber step out he thought fuck <laughs> this lads get out of here we're, never, we're not going to have anything left once he's finished <laughs> So on, on the on the third uh, attempt, uh, this is when Thorin tries to step in. All the lights go out again, and Bilbo finds himself separated from the group. Eventually, mm. um, and he he wanders about for a bit trying to find him, can't can't find him. Falls asleep, wakes up, and he's in the midst of a, a spider trying to sort of wind, wind him up in a, a little what 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 is it when they wind people up in the in the web? I,
1: it's a web. It's I, him up in a it's web. It's not a cocoon, is it? No. I mean, I, I don't know what you call it.
0: He kicks this spider's ass. Uh, he's, he's already half webbed up when he yeah. wakes up, and uh, he manages the use of his sword, uh, which he now names Sting after this fight, kills it. And and this is a this is quite a big moment for Bilbo because this is the point really, isn't it, where he becomes a bit of a badass. Before this, he mm. was he there was there was, you know, you could see that there was bravery there, and he's quite resourceful, and he, you know, and how he manages to get away from golem and uh, and and, the, and the, the the trolls I suppose there's some bravery in, in that as well but now he is fighting and killing things and I don't know I just thought this was a big moment I think it even the text even says about how he feels this change come over him and he feels different after killing this spider
1: yeah it's not a pacifist text is it he, he sheds blood and he becomes more of a more of a, mm. an experienced man of the world.
0: Now he once he he kills this spider, he thinks right, I'm gonna find the rest of the lads and you think I mean you can almost see where it's going here because we're about to arrive at Dwarven martial ineptitude five, where he gets to the, <laughs> he gets to the spider base and all the dwarves have been caught and webbed. when you consider that Bilbo is half webbed up when he woke up yeah. and he's the little weediest of, of all of them, and he managed to fight this spider off. But they've all been caught again, and I just think, God, really If I was Bill, yeah. I'd be like, guys, really again.
1: Do you know what this reminds me of? I've just thought of this. Is um, are you familiar with Scott Pilgrim? It was it was a film a few years back by a guy who did Spaced. But there's a line in that which I just I guffawed at the first time I heard it. Um, which was just um, the main character's flatmate does something to kind of uh, to kind of irritate him or something like to really let him down, mm-hmm. and his response is just Pff, "You suck," surprising no one. <laughs> and that's absolutely how I felt where, with these dwarves. Like he's kind of oh, the dwarves all all been caught, have they? Not put up the slightest suggestion of resistance. Oh, totally pathetic, despite the demonstrable ease of escaping from these particular foes. <laughs> <laughs> Thorin, you suck. Surprising no one.
0: <laughs> I mean, Bilbo steps up again, doesn't he? Here, he uh, um. he he starts he, he starts throwing stones um, at the spiders to both kill them and distract them from because they're about to 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 cheer down on the uh, on the dwarves. And he, he, this is quite I've been, this quite funny. Bilbo sort of harks back to uh, his days growing up. The reason he can throw stones so well. Is because he used to chuck them in animals, just a bit of and sort of throw his, throwing stones at, at various little fluffy animals in and around Hobbington. It's the kind of thing that if you saw a child doing it in England, you would worry that they were becoming a sociopath, but uh, it's obviously <laughs> not, a, not a big deal in the Shire. So, uh...
1: Sociopathic hobbit is quite a difficult thing to imagine, isn't it? Imagine <laughs> imagine Frodo back home after taking the ring, struggling to readjust to civilian life, just losing all grip on what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> Stealing just to feel alive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hitting the drink. Or- yeah. Orgies at Hobbiton <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, and it's called Bag End as well. Oh, that's not alright.
0: <laughs> Gets a band together, goes on tour. The hedonistic yeah, lifestyle, yeah. yeah. Um, he manages to lead these these spiders away by enraging them, by calling them such names as Atacop and Tom Noddy, which they're really right. upset about.
1: And, and I, I want to just kind of land on this for a second, because I did I did a quick uh, a quick search of various dictionaries, like mm. the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, has no mention of either Atacop or Tom Noddy as words, even in like slang usage, right? And mostly when you Google it, I think what you get is a list of pages saying what on earth does Atticot mean in <laughs> The Hobbit? And and it's and the thing is, I would be like, is this slang that's passed away? Is this like in, in eighty years time is the word nobbed gonna be as incomprehensible <laughs> that's as the word nob-ed. Tom noddy is <laughs> in how stupid are these spiders that you can basically go, nah ha you're a twat aren't you, are you a twat hey twat, hey you look? you're a twat look look! you turned around when I said twat, it's definitely your name isn't it? Twat. <laughs> twat, 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 twat like that they can that they have absolutely no martial they have absolutely no martial knowledge mm. whatsoever and allow themselves to be goaded into running away en masse yeah Um.
0: I suppose they're like um, most other creatures with maybe the exception of the eagles in Tolkien's world where they have a much lower developed intelligence than anything human, don't they? Um, if you mm. think about uh, you can think about the orcs I suppose or even the, the wolves have some kind of low cunning but they're still a little quite easy to, to out fox and uh even the hey. e- yeah hey. e- even the even the dragon is uh isn't particularly wise, is he's is uh quite i suppose in enslaved by his own anger and lust for violence Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. very true
0: but yeah so so bilbo leads these spiders on a merry chase around the forest um it manages to sort of circle back and free the dwarves Mm -hmm. and then there's this big battle and and to be first the dwarves for the first time they they equip themselves really quite well they're surrounded by enemies none of them are killed Uh, by some miracle bomber bomber survives um, and even even manages to keep up when the dwarves charge the way out uh, led by balin um, but yeah. they they make their escape and bilbo is he's just he's there he's he keeps appearing chopping a few more spiders up running off again to lead him away he's he is the he's almost turned into gandalf now isn't he he's their ace in the hole
1: well it's, it's dead interesting isn't it uh, that you that you kind of buy it as that happens, because previously he had, you know, he's little, little tubby, roly-poly, likes his beer, where's my pipe. I wish I was back home next to the hearth. And then suddenly he becomes like, like this kind of mysterious man of action. He becomes the state basically. Is what hmm. he becomes. He becomes Jason Statham for
0: Middle Earth. So, so they manage to outrun, escape from the spiders. They they get to a point I think where the the elves were before, and because there's a sort of a a, a reminiscence or a, a, a residue of the good magic of the elves that the spiders don't really want to come in so they leave them alone and we find out what's happened to Thorin who hasn't been a part of any of this and it turns out that all the way back when they were wandering around looking at these elven parties by the by the fire uh, when Thorin walked out first he fell asleep theres a similar yeah. thing that happened to Bilbo when he did it and he was later captured by the wood elves and he's brought mm. before the elven king and he it's another chance for Thorin to show us just how bad he is at diplomacy because he ends up yeah. he ends up trapped in a dungeon, thrown in a dungeon simply Ugh. for not explaining why he's wandering through the woods. Which you think is a fair question if it's your land and you're saying, What are you yeah. doing here? Maybe Get it's her the off. fact that the dwarves hate the elves. What is it?
1: No, I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. I mean, I can understand he's all he's thinking about is his gold and he's thinking, I have climbed under mountains, right? Not over them. No, no. <laughs> Underneath them, I have killed kings of goblins. I have made some admittedly questionable tactical decisions in crunched moments. I have come on this journey all this way towing, not for nothing, an enormous fat (laughs) mate of mine for reasons which I forgot almost after I made the decision. I've done this, and if you think I'm giving away my treasure to you, you have another thing coming, son. <laughs> so I can understand his thought processes there, but at the same time, like, uh, again, there are any number of ways in which you can talk your way out of the situation Yeah. up in the bloody cells. I suppose... Because yeah, that's quite a spectacular failure, isn't it, really? It's not yeah. just like, oh, you're a bit of a wanker, go away. It's like, I'm so angry with you, I'm going to lock you up.
0: yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I suppose. I mean, we have we have heard a few times about this dwarven love for gold and the hatred for sharing it with anyone, and um, that's. I suppose there's something um, fairly admirable in the the sort of grim, determined honesty of Thorin. He could quite easily oh, say, well, "Yeah, I'll yeah, share half the gold with you, no problem." And as soon as he walks away, there's no way I'm doing that. But he, mm-hmm. he he won't yeah. he won't lie and cheat his way out of the situation, even to the extent where he would just let himself be thrown in a dungeon. Oh. And we see, uh, as well, when the rest of the dwarves are caught and brought before the king, they're the same. They won't say yeah. what they're up to, even without yeah. their leader telling them not to. So there is this thing um, in the dwarves themselves, the, the whole the whole group, and maybe it's something just specific to dwarves as well, that they <laughs> they don't want to share information lightly. They don't want to. Um, and they don't want to bring, especially they don't want to bring elves into their confidence. Um, yeah. So. That's... Well,
1: I, and I, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. I'm reminded of a of a fantastic line from um, Terry Pratchett, who obviously is one of the <clears throat> one of the great writers of our time, but who draws enormously on Tolkien kind of imagery and mythology and stuff, mm. um, and fantasy and so on. Um, and he has dwarf characters in his Discworld novels. And there's one point where they're talking about dwarves and their their famous love for gold. Mm. And a dwarf character says, you know, that's slander, that's absolutely ludicrous. You can't say that. You know, we dwarves, we don't love gold. And the character goes, oh, right, I'm sorry. He goes, yeah, yeah, we just say that to get it into bed. (laughs) And there is this sort of thing where you sense there's a kind of lust for wealth, which goes far beyond even the most avaricious... Human, their kind of fundamental identity is about where's my money at.
0: Yeah. Oh. So so let's go on to chapter nine, barrels out of bond, and yes. uh, the the first thing it's another dwarven capture, but this this <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise surprise. But this time um, I, I I I will I'm, I don't want to be as hardened this time because I think they're just they're just so exhausted. And they're still sort of recovering from the poison of being wrapped up in this web and you know nearly eaten by spiders they were they were starving before that all happened and they're surrounded yeah. by this elite unit of elves well-equipped sort of gets the jump on them and they just sit down and think they're almost relieved to be captured just because yeah. they don't have to walk anymore and yeah. I, I, I think you, you can draw parallels with a, a few other stories where that kind of thing happens and. I don't know, this time I thought, this isn't so much the, you know, dwarven martial ineptitude rearing its head again, it's just...
1: To be honest, their weariness at this point reflects the weariness that I was feeling for this whole Merkwood sequence. Like, I just, <laughs> I know, hated fun. this sequence from top to bottom and beginning to end. It was just like... I mean, to a certain extent, that's because Tolkien's very good at evoking the mood and the mood he's going for is this incredibly, like, like wading through treacle, kind of experience. This mm. is really despondent kind of time, you know.
0: The dwarves get captured, and uh, Bilbo proves his worth again by managing to escape by using the uh, the ring to make him invisible. And uh, as we've mentioned, that was the the dwarves won't say anything to the king any more than Thorin would, so they get chucked in the uh, chucked in the dungeon as well. And Bilbo spends a couple of weeks just wandering around like the the ghost at the feast, and um, yeah. And he's he's just stealing things from it from the from the table because and the storerooms because he's invisible and uh he eventually comes up upon this plan which which revolves around wine delivery um because they've <laughs> got kind of a the elves have, they love the bit of wine they've got kind of a deal going with the with the with the men to uh kind of kind of in the same way you can order good wine on the internet now really isn't it they uh, they, in, in they get many ways. In. Yeah. Um, but the way um, they do it, they send the barrels back out, so they're going to hide the dwarves yeah. in the barrels.
1: I I really liked there was a line about how much the elven king loved wine, and and I went back and I reread the the whole elven king kind of scenes with the sort of Rab C Nesbit voice going on. And I'm, I've got to tell you, it improved immeasurably because it was—you could—it's just this. Because at a certain point, you're just like, I don't get why he hates them so much and all that. And then, and then, but you put it back, and he's pissed or hungover, it's like, who the fuck are you, dwarves? I hate fucking dwarves. Put them in the cells. Bring me an Alka-Seltzer and a bacon sandwich. For fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> and and this is this is what also helps the dwarves escape. And helps Bilbo in his plan because the the guards get wrecked as well and fall asleep, <laughs> which is which is um, unusual for what we know about elves from the Lord of the Rings. I just I just couldn't imagine this happening in the Lord of the Rings, having a blowout and all the elves getting wrecked. It just doesn't yeah. seem like the kind of thing that they do. Um, and that, again, yeah. but we've we've talked about this before, haven't we? The difference between the Hobbit elves and the Lord of the Rings elves.
1: Yeah, and I think. I mean, I, I like kind of where we landed last time which was this I this like, the you know, the world has changed in Lord of the Rings there's this very kind of, you know, twilight of good kind of vibe throughout Lord of the Rings and it's all much more serious and weighty and you can imagine this, which takes place, whatever it is, 60 years earlier um, being a time where elves were much more able to just be more happy-go-lucky and <laughs> we're going to live forever so whatever's going on with you losers Legolas wouldn't get ratted. In fact, isn't there? Am I misremembering? Isn't there a sequence where, like, they they're in a tavern, and Legolas, uh, like Gimli, asks Legolas how many drinks he's drunk. Yeah, you know, there Gim, is in Gim, the Gimli's film. Just there on is, yeah, in the film. But he's still like Legolas has had like 19 pints, and he does. He's not touched. Yeah. Um. So it's this really interesting. <laughs> you can tell work not, with else,
0: can't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, please. I I was I was weaned on stronger stuff than this. Let me tell you about my my acorn liqueur dangerous stuff. Thor's yeah. hammer.
0: Yeah. So to be honest, Dave, yeah, that is a really nice nod to the hobbit, isn't it? If you think about it like that. Um, oh yeah, that's, that's like, true. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um the only other thing I want to say about or oh, two more things about the escape of the dwarves. One is this happens twice once with the elves and once with the men the conspicuous decision not to look into these barrels when they realize that they are heavy and clearly have something in them they're definitely not empty barrels and each time (laughs) someone tries to lift a barrel and goes oh it's pretty heavy. This. Are you sure this isn't still got wine in it? Wine that's really expensive, which is shipped all the way up the river. Ah, oh, no, sure it's not. So if it's heavy, it's just you can't tell the difference between heavy and light. Just stick it in the river anyway. <laughs> John, just just prize off it. The... No, don't worry about it. Stick it. In. Listen, if if there was wine in it, I'd know about it. Okay, it's definitely <laughs> not.
1: Just kick it in the river. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Is in fact, is that not once again the image of a, a sort of habitually hungover people (laughs) getting an unpleasant manual task done the morning after the night before. Like, oh, this feels really heavy. Yeah, yeah. And so does your head, and so do your feet. I know, and you've got a headache, and meh, 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 Chuck it in the river and get me a bloody drink.
0: (laughs) The The other thing I want to talk about with the, uh, with the elves, just before we leave the elves, is, uh, just one of the insults that the uh, the elf throws out, which when I was little and I read this, I thought it was amazing because it's the only bit of what I thought was swearing in the whole book, where he calls him a tosspot. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: <laughs> I'd completely forgotten that, and I wonder whether that's that's a word that's become stronger with the I passage it of must time. Be, yeah, because it's so out yeah. of place, now <laughs>
0: <laughs> You tosspot. <laughs>
1: You just look at him and just be like, "You,
0: what?"
1: <laughs> like that's the it's the same yeah. level of thing. So I think
0: I think in this context, it's the it's just a name for the his for the guy's job. Um, but
1: oh yeah, one who tosses yeah.
0: pots. But um, oh, I was just I thought it was yeah. really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, the the dwarves escape in these barrels, they're not very happy about being crammed in them. But Bilbo gives them a bit of a talking to and says, "Look, okay. he does quite a funny." almost like Mourinho-like um, dramatic, well, I've still got the keys, I'm going to take you back, take you back to the cells do you want to go back to the cells? Let's go back to the cells I've got the keys now, come on, let's do that, if you don't want to get in the barrels you know, I'm just, I've only come along and rescued you from the, from, you know, from uh, what looks like a lifetime of imprisonment, but if you don't want to get in a barrel that's fine, that's fine, let's take you back to the zone. <laughs> and, and they soon sort of rain in the uh, the moaning, don't they, as soon as he comes out with that, so it's the
1: isn't it brilliant the way bilbo's bilbo's transition from this kind of younger brother to kind of exasperated aunt kind of role to these dwarves who have stayed roughly 14 years old
0: (laughs) so the so the dwarves bob off down the river Um, bilbo has to leap onto a barrel because he realizes he's not in one at the last minute and he floats out with them uh the some villagers pick pick them up later on pick up the barrels and transport them down to lake town where uh, where we mm. get to chapter ten, which is a warm welcome. You ready to you ready to do yeah. chapter ten.
1: Let's, Let's do chapter ten. It. So
0: first thing, first remarks on Lake Town, which is, it's a it, it is what it says it is. I suppose it's a lake. It's a town built on a lake, and I think it's from what I could tell. There's an older town which has long since gone to rubble, and then they've built a, a sort of a new version of it out on the river. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's right, and it's because of the dragon, isn't it? Like they they're very much in the kind of hinterland yeah. of this now, mountain Dave, now. I want to
0: talk yeah. about town planning. You've got
1: the <laughs> well. I I think that's definitely in our core appeal for this <laughs> podcast. So go you're right building
0: ahead. a new town in an area which is the which is the general belief is there is a fire breathing dragon around. Okay. Which material yep. would you choose to build your town out of? <laughs> if built a town out of wood with a dragon nearby, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we'll are meet the, the master of Lake Town later on, and he's quite a pragmatic guy, and I'm quite surprised it hasn't occurred to him mm. that. But, you know.
1: Well, he strikes me as quite a pragmatic politician you know, like a man who knows how to, how to play the people like his personal instrument, not necessarily like a guy who's thought about all of the ins and outs of kind of, you know, waste waste disposal mm. and uh, firefighting provision. I suppose, well, I mean, I suppose the whole logic of it would be we've built it yeah. on a lake. Look at all the water we've got to yeah. put it out with. But at the same time, what are you going to hang from?
0: Yeah, so? and, and also... Uh... It wood burns well, and uh, even if it's treated, and once a large part of the town goes up, uh, it's not like you'd imagine in cartoons where you can just chuck a pail of water on it and it goes out. If you think about bushfires and things like that in real life, they it, once a fire gets going, it's very hard to put out, and you have to be pumping water on it for a long time. So, I mean, it feels weird uh, talk, you know, arguing about the practical. Uh, elements of putting out a fire in, in real life, and we're talking about fire coming from a fire-breathing dragon. But, uh, yeah, um, I think another thing with Lake Town is, from what we can tell from the guards and from a lot of the populace, the dragon's pretty much a legend now. They don't really believe he exists anymore. Um, they've ju- there's yeah, a few tales so... from some old blokes, but apart from that, it's just a story that people tell each other now, isn't it?
1: And I think that's quite an interesting little little sort of trope, because of course it brings all the drama back in when the when the dragon actually does end up doing mm. what it does later on.
0: Yeah. So the the dwarves turn up and they're taken to the master of Lake Town. Who I've mentioned already. And I I really like this character because he's 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 not we don't have him for very long, but he's quite complex and he's he's not as two dimensional as he could have been. It could have just been they arrive at the lake t- at Lake Town everyone's delighted to see them because they tell these stories about how dwarves are going to turn up and you know make them rich again and um and they have a lot of Mm. feasts and then send them happily on the way but the master of lake town is as we've said quite pragmatic and um he is he's worried about relations with the wood elves because they've got a few wood elves in the town and they say these are escaped prisoners and he also thinks you know what uh, are these dwarves really going to do as much good. Is it what is what's in it for the town? And he's quite clear-eyed about it. But the problem is, the rest of the population just gets so excited. He's just kind of overruled, isn't he? And it just turns into a four or five-day festival of, of feasting for the uh, welcoming the arrival of these saviour dwarves.
1: You're right. It's, I mean, it's quite an interesting, complicated little vibe, and it's quite quite complicated for a kids' book. This you got this this i'm interested actually because you sound like quite pro the master of the town and he strikes me as quite a kind of manipulative and devious kind of machiavellian Mm. figure um who knows when he can and cannot get away with changing the what people want and if there's a huge outcry on the streets you know it's that um you know you 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 give them what they what they're crying for today and then slowly change things back to how the way you Mm. want them to be
0: I haven't read this in a long time, and I haven't read on, so I can't really remember what happens with him later. So maybe that'll color color it further on. Um, but I just thought it, I thought it was it just seemed like a a talented politician, and um, and also yeah. I think maybe part of my opinion is coloured by the fact that having spent a few you know what ten chapters with these dwarves. They they're not particularly an impressive outfit, and if I was to you know to to (laughs) think that they might be the grand saviours of this town, um, I would be probably come down the side of the master, and they're probably not.
1: That's very true. That's very true. Maybe I was just I'm just blindsided by you know these this they're clearly the protagonists, so I kind of root for them as a matter of course, rather than because I actually like. I I mean,
0: bear in mind Um, as the as this group of. Elite saviors appears, bombers waddling along with them. So you—that's t- your first sight as the master. They're carrying well, a enormous dwarf with them as well. He doesn't look like he could fight his way out of a paperback.
1: And yeah, and they arrived in <laughs> barrels as well. It's not your sort of standard issue heroic welcome. Is They've basically climbed out of the bottle bin on the back of the lorry, haven't they? It's like are these the are these the conquering heroes because they smell a lot like my garbage
0: yeah well the um we get to chapter 11 where the, the dwarves after a few days of uh being made welcome they head out to uh to the to the lonely mountain and uh obviously the master's quite happy to see him leave the populace wave them off they accompany them for a while some of the men and then once they get anywhere near the the mountain they're like right well see you later we're gonna head back off to our town we don't really <laughs> want to go any further so it's just the dwarves <laughs> again and uh they carry on and yeah. Uh, they get approaching the entrance. There's smoke coming out of it, and that's just bad news. You must, you must be thinking at this point, yeah, this is this this is going to get pretty difficult from here on in.
1: Yeah, and there's uh, I, I, I do love how thoroughly the dwarves are outclassed by the size and power of the mountain inhabited mm. by the dragon. You know what I mean? Like there's this, the, there's a real sense of smog as this incredibly imposing and terrifying thing um and they end up having to walk around this entire mountain to try and find somewhere Mm. else to be um and i so i think there's something really lovely there to compare with this like hero's welcome and then this kind of scurrying up to this place this which is emblematic of their whole Mm. power scurrying up to it as though they are as though they are interlopers rather than lords of the place like it's a really nice kind of yeah yeah that's really yeah
0: uh, so the, yeah, they they the circle reins to the back to find this secret door. They spend quite a while trying to work out how to get in because it doesn't seem like it's going to open. And uh, Bilbo finally worked it out after watching a, a thrush cracking snails on the on the door. And I didn't really get how you extrapolated from that that you got to wait till sunset for it to for it to open. What what was that all about?
1: I I couldn't tell you. I was a bit I was a bit confused by that as well, to be honest. Um, I think I don't know. He, he hears the thrush muttering something, or there's definitely something to do with the thrush being mm. able to talk. Um, but that comes later, I suppose, doesn't it? Um, no, I haven't yeah. got a clue. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's smashing snails in a particularly information-rich <laughs> way. You know, like you know, this sort of like it's, it's this sort. This is the sort of Middle Earth version of what's that, Skip? <laughs> There's an old man falling down the well. You know, a, a thing communicated entirely, not only the problem, but the location <laughs> of the suggested solution with a simple wrinkle of the nose. This is like the thrush kind of twitching its head from side to side and smashing a snail to pieces, which somehow communicates yeah. itself through the magic of plot so, lines so... into what's that? it <laughs> yeah, she... so the door's over here and needs to be opened using a, a beam of sunlight only at a certain time of day well gee willikers
0: it's <laughs> a good point okay let's go to chapter let's go to chapter 12 inside information and uh, it, once again Dave the dwarves show themselves to be not the most courageous of, of groups when they decide
1: cover themselves in glory yeah. once again basically... <laughs> I tell you what are we the ones with the battle axes or is Bilbo the yeah. one with the battle axes basically <laughs> ax? oh well figuratively speaking it's Bilbo isn't he better yeah. go in
0: they're sitting around <laughs> the open door going well then someone's gotta go in mm, yeah <laughs> and you can just see Bilbo's going, oh, yeah I wonder who this is gonna be
1: <laughs> yeah, I. you know what? I would really have loved it if this was like a, the worm turns moment and Bilbo is just like, do you know what? You people are a fucking disgrace. <laughs> You're supposed to be badass <laughs> fighters. You know, the first person to go into every single dangerous situation yeah. so far has been me, who only just learned how to handle a sword without cutting yeah. his own he hands. He does... You people he, are he, a shambles. He does
0: give him a bit of uh, put, puts them in the place a bit where he says, you know, I've, I've Pulled your asses out the fire twice already, and uh, and now you're sending me in again. And he says, you know, well, I suppose third time pays for all. But he, he agrees to it, but he makes it clear that, you know, he he makes him, yeah. he belittles them before he before he heads in as well. The, the only dwarf who accompanies him in any any stretch of the way is Barlin, who in the Lord of the Rings is the dwarf yeah. who tries to who tried to make a, a kingdom in the uh, in the mountains. Um, it's quite.
1: Uh, oh, I've. I'd forgotten that link, you know. how oh, We got t- two thirds of the way through the book without yeah, me but that. Yeah, it's Looks quite good. sad
0: actually. Um, I, I I feel a bit of sadness reading whenever I hear about Balin being a, a good guy and uh, you know being quite yeah. brave and quite fond of Bilbo to think about what happens uh, like in between this film and in between this book and the Lord of the Rings. Um, but we, yeah, we won't go greatly true. into that at the risk of spoiling uh, uh, it for other people. Yes. Yes. There's a point. So as Bilbo heads down to 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 sneak upon the dragon, there's quite a nice character bit here where, firstly, uh, Tolkien talks about how Bilbo doesn't have a pocket handkerchief anymore, but um and, and but in, in in the same sentence he yeah. says and he loosens his sword and its scabbard, and it's kind of like, this is this is how Bilbo's changed. Very it's very specifically how Bilbo's changed. He.
1: Do you know what? I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. That's that's a really lovely little kind of character note mm. moment, isn't it? Like, you know, he'd lost his he'd lost his lace doily, but he would acquired a rocket-propelled
0: <laughs> grenade. <laughs> yeah, it's a big change, and it's this. Um, and there's also the talking talks about how the the greatest battle is fought here between himself, Bilbo and himself as he's trying to sum up the courage to carry on as he sees the glowing fire and he see, he's getting towards Smog, and he can either run back and just call it a day, or he can carry on, and he decides to carry on. And Talking says, of all the other things that happen in, um, in this story, this is the toughest battle that Bilbo fights.
1: I just think that is that is lovely, isn't it? Because at, at the end of the day, this is, I mean, and I think this has been put all the way through it, really, is this, is a, this is a story about that kind of difficult movement from pleasant childhood into difficult adolescence um you know including seemingly insuperable odds and you know as a story to be told to his kids I think this is just something I th- I actually think this is mm. something really beautiful that he's decided to put in here about kind of courage not being something which you know the, the kind of hero strikes a heroic pose in his leather loincloth and goes by Jingo it's time for me to do something heroic now and no mistake it's 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 somebody who's unassuming and not at all impressive looking at something that scares him shitless and deciding to carry on anyway and i think that's an incredibly i mean that's the whole significance of bilbo as a character and and that's the reason that he's so well loved i
0: think so bilbo heads down sees smog for the first time and really bravely i suppose manages to steal quite a big cup and make it out of there and as he's leaving he is quite pleased with himself and he quotes the dwarves from back at the very start where they described him as more of a grosser than a burglar and he's like yeah well we're soon sure yeah. i am now you know this i've really shown how I'm, i am worth something and by this stage of the story he's probably been the most useful bar gandalf to the group quite quite by quite a way to yeah. be honest and um I just wanted to get your thoughts on we talked last time about the, the ring and how um, it was used as as quite a clunky at times plot device to to turn Bilbo into um, this hero who can sneak into, into caves in, in, into a dragon infested cave and get out with something um, yeah. but I suppose we need to give some credit to Tolkien as well to the fact that he has changed Bilbo as a character as well um, into this much more dynamic and and uh, heroic character. For example, with the spiders, when he's fighting the spiders to help them get out, a lot of it is done. A lot of it is done with the ring, but a lot of it is without as well. He's just getting in there and slashing away with his with his sword.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and um and I, I think where I was scornful of the first third of the book and this kind of magic ring making everything magically work in the magical plot. I think there are far fewer instances of that in this kind of second act of the book Um, and far more, particularly in the last couple of chapters where Bilbo, you really sense Bilbo starting to gather momentum towards his kind of character um, resolution or character Mm. establishment.
0: Let's move on to Smog wakes up. The dragon wakes up and realises that his cup is gone and he is pissed off he i mean (laughs) this is like a a red rag to a bull and he heads out there he he kind of works out from the sort of draft from this little entrance and the smell of dwarves around that someone has probably snuck into this snuck in through this secret entrance which he hasn't bothered to block up which is seems a bit stupid so he flies out
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you've had generations to sort yeah. out this bouncing, smog. You can imagine if, was... I wonder, I, I wonder if this hitherto <laughs> unblocked secret passage is the way in which I'm going to get yeah. overthrown. You can
0: imagine if, if there was a Mrs. Smog, she'd have been on his back all the time to fix this. Get it blocked up, smog. Come on, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And when this happened, how many times Listen, have I told it's you? A,
1: it's a lovely Saturday <laughs> afternoon, isn't it, smog? Go and sort it out. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Just the yeah. day for some <laughs> chores. Gonna... Woman, leave me alone. <laughs> what are you
0: going to do this afternoon, smog? Oh, I was going to go out and uh, incinerate some some farmyard animals. I think. Oh, could you want to block up that? Earth? Nah, who's going to come in there? Don't worry about it.
1: No, he's yeah. come on. It's tiny. I can't <laughs> even get up there.
0: So he's absolutely <laughs> furious. Morg, out he goes, flying around yeah. the mountain, and he's going to come down in a blur of fire and fury to uh, to to smite the the dwarves who've dared to steal from him, and. Luckily for the for the dwarves at least, they, they can get into the mountain. So they somehow managed to pull up Biffer and Bomber, who are still at the bottom and didn't want to climb the rest of the way to this, to the to the entrance. They managed to get them up through by ropes, I assume every single dwarf's pulling bomber up. They get in they get inside yep. and uh, just in time to escape the dragon. Unfortunately for yeah. the ponies, once again <laughs> i've just put here in my notes
1: tolkien's
0: ponies three exclamation marks double underlined and then fuck three <laughs> exclamation marks double underlined because the poor <laughs> bastards they, they've they come all this way with them again the, the last group i don't know if they the, the ponies were aware but the last group had been uh led down into the depths of uh of the Misty Mountains to be devoured by goblins and these guys at least six of them we learn later on um get eaten by a dragon and you just think the poor they're just they're the lowest of the low they are they are <laughs> the cannon fodder of Middle Earth aren't they the poor little bastards they
1: are they're the they're the Star Trek red shirts they're the <laughs> they're the disposable uh front line who cares about the ponies and the, nobody bet you get some good poetry out of them the
0: response then. um it, it, they get a line from Tolkien where the dwarves go, um, think, "Oh, they've been. They're probably going to get eaten by the dragon." It was not a pleasant thought. Moving on, <laughs> and I just think once again, it's always the little guy, either Bilbo or the ponies, that the dwarves just cut loose.
1: I tell you what, actually, that whole th- this whole thing with the ponies kind of being, because you know, the moment that Smog leaves the mountain, the ponies are. <laughs> and it's this incredibly like as well as being very sad and really quite comical as these like constant slapstick victims so I had this I just had this most incredible sort of powerful impression of this how exposed you would be on this mountain side this dragon swoops out you know two thirds the size of the mountain or you know whatever size he is. big enough that he can't use any of the secret doorways and can only use the massive front gate this river sized front gate um and the idea, you know, you really feel it for Biffa and Bomber and these these ponies. This like, if you can be seen from the air, you're going to die. There's no two ways about it. It's not like, oh, maybe you'll overshoot and he won't bother mm. to turn back, or maybe you maybe you know like a like a Lancaster bomber or something. You'll run out of bombs. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like if you if you are visible, then you're going to die. And and it really makes Smog this incredibly kind of um, terrifying adversary
0: you know this this line thinking about the ponies being burned to death and eaten um it was not a pleasant thought isn't even the uh, the greatest understatement in this chapter because that comes shortly after <laughs> as the dwarves sit around thinking of how to get rid of smog, and it's described this part as a weak point in their plans just the uh, the killing of the dragon, which is—I <laughs> uh, mean—I called this at the very start. They doesn't seem to have any kind of idea how they're going to kill this thing, and uh, and now they're there sitting around in the cave. They tend to think, mm, "Yeah, we're not really sure how we're going to do this." And the, <laughs> the, the the decision they come to is, "I'll send Bilbo in again. See what he uh, see if we can find it <laughs> anymore."
1: <laughs> and at which point it starts to look not just cowardly but extremely lazy doesn't it like as if your whole thought hasn't been bent upon this cavern full of treasure for decades and you get there and as it turns out the badass thing that chased you out is still in there and is still badass and will still chase you out and so oh we'll send him
0: bilbo so bilbo does go in again um, and by this point, Smog's returned and he's, he's gone back to sleep, but not completely to sleep. He's sort of lying there in wait, really. Mm. And uh, Bilbo arrives, and he kind of he, he get he kind of realizes that Smog is is still awake. And uh, luckily, he has the ring on, so it sort of offers him some protection. And the end ha- he ends up having this conversation with Smog. Uh, and I really like this. I love the back mm-hmm. and forth between them. Um, and I got a real sense yeah. of menace from Smog as well. I liked how he I liked how he spoke yeah. um, I think um, I think it adds to it. I, I didn't expect it. I thought it'd just be a monster and uh, you know they had to find some way of killing it but the fact that he becomes a, a real character and speaks is, is interesting yeah but Bilbo actually yeah. um, responds to most of his questions through riddled titles that he gives himself uh, one of which I, I yeah. thought was hilarious. We called himself Barrel Rider. I am Bilbo. Bar- <laughs> I, am ba- I am the Barrel Rider. <laughs> I just think that's going to be a great film, Barrel Rider.
1: I, you know, you, yeah, I I love that, and I think, uh, and and you do kind of think, don't you, that all of these kind of vaguely kind of Nordic sounding ancient names based on impressive feats performed by heroes in, in you know, in mythologies like the Middle Earth mythology, you know, you never hear about the ones with yeah. the shit names, who did things that were necessary at the time, but were in the retelling not terribly <laughs> interesting, like, like Barrel Rider, or I am Thor's son. <laughs> a director of troops to the correct <laughs> <Yeah>. camping ground. <laughs> I am Buju you know, or
0: logistics manager. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am the one or even think you know these these people who did things that were quite significant you know which were kind of tinged by glory but which is just phenomenally you know banal. Like I am um Aaron Bob The guy who collected up the shards of Isildur's (laughs) sword when Sauron had snapped it into little bits. The one without which none of this incredibly atmospheric foreboding would function in the slightest bit. But do I get an impressive title? I shall ever be
0: known as Shard Collector.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Broken Sword (laughs) He should really
0: be the patron saint of... Um, you know, stamp collectors or coin collectors, things like just <laughs> collectors <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah that's true, you should, yeah, even we were heroes <laughs> once in another age of men
0: in um, their uh, conversation yeah. Smog has a go at the dwarves um, effectively, by he's saying, you know do you really believe that they'll let you take a uh, 14th of this treasure all the way home and do you not think they're just going to cast you off as soon as the uh, you've served your purpose and he also talks about how they've you know although they've sent you in on your own have they yeah that's what dwarves do and a bit of this strikes home with bilbo i think because there is a some truth in it isn't there and um although bilbo still is quite loyal and in, in his responses um you can tell that he, he does think you know maybe smog is kind of onto something with bits of this um the, right. there's also he when he's flattering Smog, he gives him his title Lord Smog's title, which is uh Lord Smog the Impenetrable <coughs> Dave, thoughts
1: <laughs> You will insist on doing <laughs> this, won't you?
0: That's <laughs> shall, shall we move on? Oh, um, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, as part of the conversation on. as well, the, the key the key point in terms of plot is uh, Bilbo asks to see mm. this magnificent underbelly of uh, gems, which Smog quite happily rolls over and shows him in an act of mm. supreme arrogance, I suppose. And uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. but luckily, Bilbo sees this big patch in his belly which is completely exposed and he thinks hmm that could be useful information with the future <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it is a bit isn't it i wonder if that will turn out to be an important <laughs> point later and, uh, on
0: with that new information Bilbo decides to leave he can't resist um having a bit of a joke at smog's expense if he go as he goes and he says uh says something about thieves anyway. <laughs> as, as he runs away, and he nearly gets yeah. himself incinerated for that because it it, it pricks Smog's anger to the point where he chases after him and breathes fire through the tunnel, which uh, which Bilbo is escaping through. And Bilbo just gets out with uh, a few, more theme third degree burns, and uh, and gets out to the gets out yeah. just in time, really, to uh to the edge to the to the secret entrance he gets out and he re- recounts what he's what he's learned to the rest of the dwarves also there's a a talking thrush which is sitting nearby listening to him I'm sure that won't who I was an gonna say to I'm sure, sure that's, not a good, plot. that's just sort of given a mention um so <laughs> that brings us to chapter 13 the last one of today's podcast which is called not at home which gives you a indication of mm. of whether or not the dragons going to be there um so basically Bilbo realizes that Smaug is so angry that he's going to come and try to sneak up on them and and burn them all alive as they stand by the exit of the of the uh, of stand by the secret entrance. So he convinces them all to go inside and eventually shut the door, which is mm. just in time. Actually, this is this is still chapter twelve, isn't it? beg your pardon yeah well so, this yeah. is this, this the back end of chapter 12 was smog attacks and they get inside just in time oh. and shut the door which is which is very lucky because if they'd have st- straight stayed a moment longer which they would have done had bilbo not told them otherwise they wouldn't have been able to escape
1: yeah. and uh and i think this is it's quite an all or nothing mm. play isn't it from bilbo like you sort of um i mean i suppose the choice is between getting inside the mountain and let the door slam shut behind hmm. you or dying. But there is a but you don't you don't think Bilbo's gonna think twice about it. Like he's he's the guy who turns up and puts his last thousand on black yeah. at the roulette table. I um, think
0: if this had been towards the start of the story and Bilbo would have said, We've got to go inside and shut the door, they'd have said, mm, I dunno, I'm not sure if he is gonna turn up. Um we don't know for sure that he's he's coming round here to to, to, to to get the jump on us. Maybe he's still inside i just don't think they've done it otherwise um so yeah, chapter 13 yeah. not at home uh bilbo leads them mm. into the depths of Smog's lair and they find out that he isn't in fact there he's uh, he's outside causing running amok and bilbo wanders around the treasure for a while and picks up the Arkenst- arkenstone is that right yeah, I think, so. Arkansas, and um, I think, yeah. that this is the uh, the one thing that we, that is even more valuable than anything else in there, which uh, Thorin's been talking about before about how uh, how important it is, and Bilbo just pockets it. Um, he can't really resist <laughs> keeping hold of it, and he thinks, "Well, I was promised a fourteenth of this treasure, so he didn't specify what 14th. Yeah. So he tells himself that's the reason. There's echoes of the Ring here for me. Were a possession almost takes yeah. possession of the owner doesn't it
1: and actually this is consistent with the whole of bilbo's character for the whole of the rest of his time mm. on middle earth is he has a weakness for the for objects with which yeah. he falls in love and it's it's you know um, and i think well we'll we'll come to what happens with the arkenstone but uh, but the whole the whole thing with the ring and and that that incredibly powerful special effects shot in the first Lord of the Rings movie where they change his face so he mm, just looks like yeah. a demon for a second. And um and it and it it is perfect shot for driving home the you know, the kind of hold that this object has over Bilbo and can have over anybody. And yeah, you're right, you just see the first little hints of it Do you, think, it,
0: do you uh, think it's also a comment in. on um Bilbo's respect for Thorin now? I, I wonder if at the very start he would have handed this over because Thorin was the boss. And I don't know yeah. because I get the, I guess sometimes I get the impression by, by this point Bilbo's thinking of Thorin as less of a, a grand king and, and more of a just a bit of a puffed up blowhard. He doesn't he doesn't tend to do a great he doesn't yeah. bring yeah. much in terms of help or he doesn't even seem to have many plans Thorin. He's supposed to be the leader and yeah. he's decent every so often in a fight and he's he's very good at you know giving these long speeches but in terms of his diplomatic ability yeah. he's made a mess of that twice with the goblin king and the elven king in terms of his plans he he keeps getting half a plan though and then they get they accomplish one stage of it one objective and the next one they've no idea what to do and i just sometimes think maybe bilbo's mm a little disenchanted with Thorin as well thinking well I'm gonna maybe I will keep that because it is particularly nice and I have done more than anyone else for this group so far so I don't know
1: yeah yeah I I I buy that I think that's that's very true and I think it's I think it's dead interesting that Bilbo kind of he's so confident in himself that he's now not just kind of in the first flush of, oh, I can do this, I can get away with stealing from dragons, it's is amazing. But um, he, he's much more um, comparing himself to others and their relative position and being like, actually, Thorin, hmm. you don't know dick, so I'm taking your jewellery.
0: Yeah, Thorin it's gives Bilbo that Mithril vest, yeah. which is very, very um, expensive and, and very, very valuable. And I just wonder whether or not Bilbo felt a bit of a pang of guilt about the thing in his pocket when uh, Thorin chucks that towards him and says, look, you deserve that.
1: Mm. That is quite interesting, because of course the Mithril itself is significant and is very, very valuable and mm. all the rest of it. Um, yeah, I I wonder that too. Uh, not not Well, the text... He seems to be quite clear. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> He's like, I'll have that. This looks beautiful. This will accessorize very nicely with the massive and extremely coveted stone I've taken from you and put in my trouser pocket. Cheers, Norrin. Nice one, son. See you in a bit. So
0: the the last little bit we need to talk about. They they walk through on the way out. They pass through the old dwarven kingdom, which is a, I thought was a lovely scene, where you really get a feel for the uh, the history there and the sadness. And you know there's still the skeletons and the bones of the uh of the dwarves who used to live there Yeah. and they they get out after they've, yeah. after looting smog's place they get out carry as much treasure as they can and armor and new weapons and stuff and head down the mountain to a spot where they can look out over mm. the valley and we're left at the end of this chapter wondering where's smog is he's, he's been gone for days now and mm. we will find out more yeah 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 in part three of our podcast <gasps> 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 that brings us to Beautifully manufactured <laughs> that. that brings us to the end of this this podcast and it's, once again as we've said in the last po- in the last few podcasts if you've any comments to make on the book or on the podcast um maybe you disagree with with what we think of Thorin, or you you have a theory as to how Bilbo worked out how to get into the secret entrance we're not really sure how that works um but if you could help us out with that it'd be much appreciated send us an email to shark liver podcast at gmail.com that's shark liver podcast at gmail.com and um and we'll get through we'll get around to it and we'll go through some feedback towards the end with that i think shall we shall we wrap it up
1: let's 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 whack a bow on this puppy <laughs> until next
0: time